just a heads up, everyone. Though we look at things through an optimistic lens on this show, some of the topics may be triggering and some of the language may be adult. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Aggressive Optimism Podcast. I'm Jenna Edwards, and I've overcome some pretty serious adversity in my life. And I just recently realized it was all because of this mindset I call aggressive optimism. I knew I wasn't the only one living with this way of thinking, and as I always say, there's a million ways to do anything. So I wanted to do this podcast so I could have conversations with others and learn how they overcome adversity and achieve their big goals and dreams and create the life they want to live. So without further ado, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Aggressive Optimism Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Edwards, and I am super excited today, you guys, to talk with the amazing president of Two Mavericks Multimedia, speaker and fellow podcaster, Dot Cannon, today. Hi, Dot. Hi, Jenna. Hi. Uh, you guys, what Dot does is so cool. On her podcast and in her speeches, uh, she brings a, a non-intimidating, quote, arts approach to science, technology, art, and math as she relates it to her audience's lives. The podcast is called Over Coffee, and I'm super excited to welcome you to the show. Welcome, Dot. Thank you, Jenna. This is fun. I know. So much fun. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited to have a podcast that you can be on now because you guys, I've been on Dot's podcast. So go Google over coffee and my name and you'll find it. Um, it was super fun because it was like live at a really fun event. And in the middle of it, somebody I knew from years before like walked by. It was just really just so fun. You're so good at um, making people feel comfortable enough to be themselves on the podcast, Dot. Thank you. Well, I have the world's most amazing guests. That's really what it is. You have wonderful <laughs> guests. All you have to do is listen and ask a couple questions. That's I know. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> yeah. So if that's both of our approaches today, I feel like it, it might be a little challenging because both of us are used to asking questions and then just waiting for responses. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll get a lot of dead air as we say in the radio gig, but oh well. I know. I'm like, I will do my very best not to let the dead air happen. <laughs> Me too. But I am super curious about how you bring all of these worlds together and then help your audience apply it to their lives. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. I'm the last person in the world you would ever expect to be doing a podcast about engineering, science, math, or even technology because I'm a straight arts person. <laughs> I was the kid who in school loved to read and my idea of hell was when the teacher said, put away your book and bring out your arithmetic homework. Okay. However, the cure for that is falling in love with a field, a professional field that combines art and science, which I did when I became a broadcaster. Mm. And ever after, I was looking at the ways that art is science and science is art. So what I do with Over Coffee is I interview people who are combining the two in a creative way. And what I try to do is besides telling their stories, I try to ask them for what resources they'll give others who want to do something similar to what they're doing. So oh, for example, so if I have a roboticist, uh -huh. well, the Southern California Robotics Society is a resource that she might like or, and might promote, or when I have somebody who's created something in virtual reality, I try to get them to tell me, if somebody listening right now would like to look, know more about VR, how can they do that? How do they get started? 
So that's kind of what I do. That's really cool. So anyone listening who wants to do any type of career, go to Overcoffee and it's overcoffeepodcast.com, correct? It's actually two. You can go to overcoffeepodcast.com, but you can also go to my main website, which is twomavericks.com, spelling it with an X. Gotcha. Podcast and blog. And I will put those up on the show page at aggressiveoptimism.com so you guys can go check that out. But um, you guys, if you are interested in doing any type of field, it sounds like Dot, you've interviewed pretty much everybody. So they've got a resource for them to go find at the Over Coffee podcast. So I am curious, what got you, like what was the tipping point for you to decide that you wanted to share this combination or this perspective? When I first started the podcast, because I'm a career radio broadcaster, I was doing everything. It was pretty eclectic. (laughs) I realized that the main response from people was when I would put out something a little different, when I talked a little bit more about something they weren't expecting. That was pretty much the tipping point. I began interviewing people who were doing school programs in connection with NASA, for example. Oh, cool. interviewed a roboticist who had a robot you can work with your brain. It was unbelievable. And the (laughs) other thing that's mind blowing is I get to go to CES now and cover it as a journalist because that's what I do. I have a blog in addition to the podcast and try to be as accurate and as fair as I can be as a journalist. Oh, very cool. So I see all this incredible stuff. It's like the future's arriving and it's here five years early. So that's what I really enjoy sharing. It's the kind of thing with a podcast that you want to talk about something that people couldn't pay you not to talk about. This is mine. Cool stuff. That's very cool. And um, what were you talking about before? Before it was everything because I am a total arts lover. Okay. If I heard of a play that I thought sounded amazing, I'd ask to interview the main person. If I heard of a film, if there were a book I loved, the one thing about a book interview though as much as I love reading (laughs) people usually tend to want to read the book they don't want to hear you talk about the book so much interesting yeah it seems like when you talk about steam people are interested because you're thinking in a different way than they've thought before oh fascinating fascinating and so what has been your biggest challenge in bringing this this approach to life A couple of different things. First of all, I'm an older podcaster. Mm. People don't think after 50 that you're going to understand anything about technology. Consequently, I had a really good time. It's so funny you say that because I feel like I'm I'm almost air quote too old. Actually, that was my biggest challenge with going into youth speaking and Mm. was the idea that no kids are going to listen to me because I'm too old to talk to them and relate with them. And I had this... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, I love that you're laughing so hard because I had this moment with um, my speaking coach, Jake Valentine, who is incredible and I can't wait to get him on the show. He's so stinking busy. Uh, I said this to him at a workshop in front of everybody. I was in the hot seat and he literally laughed like that because I was wearing plaid pants with striped socks and a bright yellow shirt. And he's like, Shanna, <laughs> who knows that you're that old? <laughs> Like, if you can't relate to the kids, none of us can. Like, go speak. And I have had the best time. Like, that that age thing really is like a – it can be a real block for people. At least it was for me. So I'm glad that you're bringing it up. And I burst out laughing just now because you are decades younger than I am. But I see this. 
I see people in their late 30s say, oh, I'm getting old for this. Ahem, I started my on-air radio career at 37. Oh, wow. You're 37. You are probably going to live at least another 40 to 50 years. You got your choice. Are you going to sit in a corner and say, all right, I'm too old. Are you going to get the heck out there and try to do stuff? Oh my gosh, I love it. And you just made the quote for Instagram. So easy for me. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) But I didn't really answer your question. Okay. I believe you were asking me, what's the challenge? Part of it is that people don't really expect someone who's over 50 to know anything about, for example, the Artemis mission to the moon or virtual reality or robotics or wearables or any of the cool new stuff at CES. Okay. It's always a little fun to blow their minds. (laughs) But the other thing is just the sheer competition. The fact that there are 700,000 podcasts out there. Well, how do you promote? Mm. And how do you get the word out there? And there will be copycats. Oh, for sure. You just try to do the best you can. You try to be ethical and straightforward and tell stories. And you think about different ways of promoting. Right now, I promote with Instagram. I have Twitter. I have Facebook. I do not have an email list because I get enough spam as it is. I can't imagine spamming anybody else. (laughs) That's kind of the challenge, I think, that I face. Yeah. I I mean, I feel like every every single one of us faces that challenge, right? And it's so interesting, too. I was just at uh, a youth speaking event uh, for California FBLA this past weekend, and I was having – I love having conversations with the teenagers because – I feel I feel like they're fascinating, and I like that group because they're actively growing um, as humans. You know what I mean? And they're curious, and they and if you can get them talking, they love sharing about what's happening in life. Uh, so I'm having a conversation with them, and I'm like, "Oh, you guys should, uh, you know, like, oh, if you take a picture, please um, tag me on Instagram." Is what I said to them, and they were like, "We don't have Instagram," and my head exploded because I'm like what do you have? And they're like, we kind of just text back and forth. Like we have group texts or they use Snapchat just with their friends. And so here I am thinking, okay, all the kids are on Instagram. I'm going to focus all my marketing on Instagram and come to find out. And these guys are not the first ones. Like a good portion of teenagers don't have Instagram. (laughs) And so I'm just sitting here this morning, like, how am I going to market? You know, anyway, it's just a fascinating process and everything changes so much when it comes to marketing. I think that that's a huge challenge for people. It's lightning fast. And who knew about the Instagram? You taught me something I didn't know just I know. I I didn't know either. (laughs) Instagram. Yep. Yep. I think it'll be brainwaves in the future. I know. Who knows? I also am curious if it's going to be like a pendulum and they're just not going to have social media, you know, because who knows? They could go right back to our parents' generation. I mean, they could. They could. I mean, obviously they would, they would never go back to phone calls because that's like so not a thing, but texting Texting could be the absolute way that they keep in touch with their friends. And so it is just a very, very interesting world we're going into regarding marketing. So yeah, definitely a challenge. But I think it's kind of fun too, because then you have to come up with creative ways to get your message out there. 
Well, it is fun. And the one fun thing is that no matter what you do, it's still all about community. It's still all about relationships and it's going to be that way a hundred years from now. So absolutely. You're already absolutely. really good at that. Oh, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> But thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll take it and run. Um, my friend uh, Katie has an actual Facebook community and she's really, really good at curating the community. And I'm like, um, so my whole thing now that I've been talking to these teenagers is like, where is that community going to exist? Online meaning, right? Like you have your friends, but I think because I live in Los Angeles and it takes like a half an hour to get five miles my friends and I don't even get together face to face. Like you don't live that far from me and we've seen each other maybe once in the last three years. I last saw you. Wow. I guess over at Barb's store. That's the last time I saw you. That's easily a, a year and a half, if not two. Oh yeah. It, it's definitely two because it was before the trip. Yeah. yeah. See, but we don't live that far physically apart, but that's my point is like all of my community is online but these kids, their, their community, I mean, it might change after they graduate, right? Because they're not going to be in the same building anymore. So I'll be curious to see what happens. Good point. Sorry, I was grabbing a swig of water, so I won't no cough here. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, was, I saw a mutual friend of ours in Las Vegas, of all things, Jen Page. Again, Jen does not oh. live that far away from me, but I never see her. I had to go to Las Vegas to see somebody <laughs> that I probably could get on the freeway and see in 30 minutes. I know, definitely. I Yeah. <laughs> Jen doesn't live far from me either. That's so fun. I'm so glad that you saw her. She's going to be on the show in a couple of weeks. Tell her hello. She's amazing. I will. Yeah, she's really cool. I'm, I'm, I'm so blessed to know so many cool people. And it actually brings up a point I wanted to make when you said that you were at CES, which is a trade show for technology, right? Yes. Consumer um, show. I think one of the, bit, the best ways to kind of overcome this whole marketing thing is to kind of kick it old school and start networking in person. Exactly. Because when you see somebody and they say, what do you do? Well, I do this podcast, et cetera, et cetera. You can check it out here. And here's what's in it for you. Yes. Here's what you and you can start to like the people putting a, a face and an energy to a name, I think is, is key. I would have to agree with that because so many times I'll meet somebody at a conference like CES and then we do an interview and I'll put it out there and they share it and they'll say, oh yeah, that's who I met over at this conference. So yeah, that is key. Definitely. And I think that um, for the younger generation and, and also people like I grew up in a really small town and the people that um, they have Facebook pages that I'm friends with, but their friends list is much smaller than mine because of the industry that I'm in. My friends list is bigger. And so even on social media, people are still being very tight knit with who they have in their friend's circle. So when they share it, it's like they shared it at a coffee shop, you know, back in the old days when we used to sit down and be like, oh my gosh, I just discovered this cool new product or this cool new book. It was always face-to-face. -face. So it's almost like looking at the social media in a way that's more face-to-face -face than big giant commercials, you know? Exactly. Today we've got the electronic coffee shop. Yeah, definitely. Which is why it's great that your podcast is over coffee. Let's have a chat. 
<laughs> Let's have a chat about really, really intense things. Like mine are always philosophical. Oh my gosh, this weekend. Um, so in my bio at at my speaking events, I I put at the end one of my favorite things to do is have philosophical conversations with strangers. Fun. And one of the kids in the audience, literally like fourteen years old. Uh, came up to me afterwards and he's like, I like having philosophical conversations. I'm like, let's do it. And we went and had lunch and had one of the most amazing conversations about like the meaning of life, religion got brought in, politics. And, and they were like so eloquent in their expressions of what they thought. It was just mind blowing and gave me hope for the world. It was so good. <laughs> I feel a lot of hope when I see the younger generation, people who gripe about them, but there are some amazing young people out there. Yeah, absolutely. Their brains just like are so expansive. And so I love that you're having conversations about a topic that people don't often talk about with enthusiasm. Exactly. It's hard to get excited about math. And <laughs> I had to struggle to get a D in science in college. However, That's so interesting. Today we have a lunar orbiter or going to have one that's actually a space station near the moon that's coming oh. and be within 20 well actually it's going to be the launch if i remember correctly is 2020 i'd have to take a look what? at one of the reasons yeah what i'm talking about is the artemis mission that is so cool isn't that cool i don't know anything about it like that's so not my world i need to I, listen to your podcast so i can learn about all the awesomeness i didn't mean that as a promo but what my point was i was, did I couldn't see what science, I, yeah, I did, but I couldn't see what science had to do with me back in the day. But when you put it in those terms of what does this have to do with you right now? So well, was there a moment that you had where you realized, like, or where you had this perspective shift for the first time and like it lit you up so much that you wanted to start having those conversations? It's funny. I can't say there was one moment, but there were lots of little ones. Okay. I got to interview a designer who made light up wearables, really cool stuff, <laughs> and who did the costumes for a band during the Grammys. And oh, we got to talk cool. about what's involved when you have these light up LEDs that are going to have to be on the stage, the bands are going to have to be moving around, you've got art and science right there because you don't want anything going on fire. And at the same time, it has to look amazing. There was that. There was the roboticist I mentioned before, mm -hmm. a lot of really neat stuff. And then I got a chance to interview some folks who were doing the first robotics, which I really wish they'd had this program when I was in high school. I know, right? Yeah, you've seen this. They build the robots and they're battling robots and things like that. Like, so much fun. not have this? <laughs> well, because I think that robots were so futuristic when we were growing up, you know, mm -hmm. like it, it, the technology just didn't exist the way it does now. That's true. Even in media, technology didn't exist the way it does That's now. True. That's true. I have true. a friend who was a producer and she had to haul around 30 pounds of equipment. Today, if you want to take a video, you whip your phone out and take your video. Yeah, it's really, it's really fascinating. And I, that's a whole other conversation because as somebody in the film industry, I'm not quite sure that this is a good thing for the industry like i feel like we're we're um we're almost killing our industry because we're able to do things so inexpensively that people just do them for free so the the idea of having a career in film is very different 
uh, now than it used to be. And so anyway, again, that's, that's for another time. (laughs) That would be interesting to pursue though. That is really, because there are two sides to that. I won't go down that path right now, but I think of the counterpoint to that. Oh, no, I, I can see the counterpoint as well. I mean, it, it, it's fantastic that people get to express themselves so easily and freely um, and also explore different things and make documentaries. Anyway, yes, that, that's totally, totally fun. But you actually uh, strive to make documentaries about this subject as well as give speeches on how to um, kind of merge the pers- or change the perspective around things that people consider boring or specialized, right? Yes, actually, I have done some audio documentaries. This was when I was still doing more eclectic stuff. What's an audio documentary? It's a radio documentary about something. For example, I did one about a show that came to town called Year of the Dragon. I did one about a show that was happening on the college campus where I was taking classes, Pasadena City College. And I also did one about the Rose Parade and I got my tang tangled here and Pasadena <laughs> City College's involvement in Pasadena's Rose Parade. So it's just a series of radio production interviews. If you've heard a podcast that's like a reporter piece that has all different sound and music in it, think of that times about 90 and you've got an audio documentary. That is fascinating. I would love to know what your favorite resource has been in the in the creation of and sharing of this philosophy that you have it might surprise you a little bit because i like being surprised an author that i really love barbara share who barbara share spelling her last name s-h-e-r okay i didn't start out in broadcasting i had a very dead-end job back in the day and i came across her book called wishcraft People hear that, they think I'm talking about witchcraft, but no, wish is in wishing for something. I like and it. She has the most wonderful book. She's written some others, but this one just resonated with me for some reason. And among the things she says about achieving your dream is where she talks about isolation being the dream killer. If there was ever one sentence that was true, I think that's really true. Because oh, again, wow. again, with my podcast, I hear people say, well, I can't do this in a vacuum. You never make an autonomous vehicle alone. You don't do VR alone, things of that nature. Wow. I mean, I feel like you don't do anything alone successfully. You know, I think you're right. That's just it. It does take a community. (laughs) It really does. I mean, even writing a book, which you think is a solo pursuit, is so not a solo pursuit. You really need somebody to bounce it off of and to have that person say, yes, this worked, or what do you mean by that? stuff like that, any kind of creative work, you're just too close to it. You need somebody to give you feedback. And if they care enough about you, when it doesn't work, they'll say, you can do better than that. Exactly. And then you need an editor and a publisher and a book cover designer and an internal designer. I mean, there's like a whole team to create this thing that people think is done with one person. Um, So I love that. I love that resource. I'm definitely checking that book out. It's a great one. And I, I, love the, I love the quote. Say it again. Isolation is the dream killer. Isolation is the dream killer. That's and in fact, I had the pleasure of hearing Barbara. 
I've gone to a couple of her workshops, which I don't think she gives anymore. She's been doing these for quite a while, but I went to one in the 1980s and she said that. Oh, wow. And wow. if anybody wants to see her website, it's barbarashare.com. She had no idea I was going to do this. She may <laughs> not even remember me. We are not close friends or anything. I just was one of her students, but it's well worth seeing her website. I will definitely put it up on, on the show page at aggressiveoptimism.com. So uh, what is your favorite quote? Wouldn't you know that I have two of them, but I'll go with the one that comes to mind immediately. You can Thank share you. both. Well, we okay. like inspiration on the show. <laughs> All right. Well, I love the one that's been attributed to about three different people that goes, a ship in harbor is safe, but that is not why ships are built. Mm. And it's super true because it's really easy to just sit back and say, well, that scares me. I, I don't want to do that. But in life, the things I've regretted more, I think, have been the things I haven't done, not the things I've done, even if I made a mistake. Love the it. The other one that I really love, I can attribute this one, and that's <laughs> Benjamin Franklin, who said, the early morning hath gold in its mouth. Ask me if I ever work on that. Really, because sometimes I get up, it's true, you accomplish a lot more early morning, but half the time I roll over and go back to sleep. So I can't <laughs> say that I have that always applied in my life. It's so interesting because I have this conversation a lot with people um, because I work in the creative world where a lot of creatives are night owls. And I'm always curious now that I've been having this conversation, whether or not it's because it's dark. Like if I get up before the sun rises, I am uber productive. But if I get up like at sunrise, even if it's at six o'clock in the morning, I'm not as productive. And so I'm wondering if they're productive at night because it's quiet and it's dark. That's a great point. I kind of wonder because Me too. <laughs> all kinds of stuff. And it just seems like if you get started at six in the morning, which is probably not that early, but seems early you get a whole lot more accomplished by the time it's noon. Can't explain I, it. I agree, but I feel like if you looked at the hours in the day of when people are awake, um, I wonder if they're accomplishing the same thing just at night. So anybody listening, we would be super curious. Let's do a little experiment. Post under this post on Instagram um, and tell me if you feel more productive at night or in the morning and if the nighttime productivity is when it's dark. Oh, I'll be curious to see the results of that. Me too. Wow. I hope people participate. Come on, guys. Step it up. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> and if you could give our audience one piece of advice, what would it be? Dare. That would be it. Because so much in life that I've had happen right for me has been because I dared to make a change. I love how convicted you were with that. You're like, dare. There was no hesitation. There was nothing. You're just like, dare. I love that. I love that. When did you discover that? When I was 22 years old. Oh. And I graduated college growing up on the East Coast. And I'd always wanted to move to California. And after I had my diploma and I spent the summer up in Maplecrest, New York, working, I got accepted to San Francisco State University and I moved on out here. Ooh. And the rest, as they say, is history because you're still here. <laughs> I have loved living in California. It was always a dream for me. I am very grateful I got to do that. That's amazing. I love that, Dare. It's such good advice. It's such good advice. Dot, you're amazing. I'm so glad I know you. And thank you so much for being on the show. 
Thank you, Jenna. You are amazing as well. I can't <laughs> wait to hear more of the Aggressive Optimism podcast. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. And we'll have to, I'll have to go on yours and talk more about how to make Aggressive Optimism part of this whole philosophy that you're doing. Um, but that's for another show. Everybody, check out Dot's uh, show page at aggressiveoptimism.com. Definitely, thank you so much for listening because without you, this would not be possible. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. And remember, if you dream it, it's possible. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. I really hope you'll join me next time. The Aggressive Optimism Podcast is made possible through affiliate programs. So if you'd like to support the podcast and get some really great products for yourself, head on over to the offerings page at aggressiveoptimism.com. And if you want a little more aggressive optimism in your life, please follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Jenna Edwards Life. I'll see you over there. Until then, have a good one.